0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, I am a New Books Network host, Lavinia Stan, here in Nova Scotia, Canada. We are talking today with Dr. Tom Gallagher, a retired professor of political science at Bradford University in the United Kingdom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Lavinia. Great to be with you. Thank you very much for agreeing this interview on your most recent book, Europe's uh, Leadership Famine, Portraits of Defiance and Decay, 1950-2021, which was published earlier this year. Professor Tom Gallagher is one of the foremost experts on post-communist Romania, having authored a great number of books, chapters, and articles that detail the difficult journey that country, as well as its neighbors in the region, have made since the collapse of communist dictatorship in 1989. His book, The Theft of a Nation, Romania Since Communism, published in 2005, offers remarkable insights about that country and has been recognized as Book of the Year by the Society for Romanian Studies. Most recently, Professor Gallagher's attention has turned to broader questions of political leadership. This is the topic we'll discuss today. Tom, hello.
0: Hello, Lavinia.
1: Thank you again for accepting this invitation. Why political leadership? What prompted you to write a book on a topic you yourself admit is against the current?
0: Well, I think the human dimension has played out uh, sometimes to a crucial degree in shaping epochal events like the Cold War, the creation and rise of common European institutions, the retreat of communism, the crisis of the Eurozone, growing friction arising from territorial cleavages, clashes of psychological identities spilling into uh, politics. Lenin Always said that there was just one fundamental question to ask of any society who? Whom? Uh, Machiavellian's, Machiavelli's treatise, The Prince, on political artistry, the exercise of power, focused on the individual in the political arena. More recently, Carol Schmidt said that politics can be reduced to who is my enemy? Who is my friend? Uh, So it's appropriate not to discount structures, processes, theories, but to pause, to look beyond them, so as to examine the importance of flesh and blood individuals, their actions, and more often than not, their inaction. I would say that Europe's story in the last 75 years can be divided into two parts. First of all, recovery, renewal, solidarity, particularly in the economic realm, vigilance against the totalitarian danger, success, undoubted success in reviving democracies in Southwest and then in East Central and Southeast Europe. But, there were missed opportunities and glaring mistakes by politicians, I would contend, of diminishing calibre and experience. Uh, and I, I think it is possible to argue that these dashed the chances of the continent building on its undoubted strengths and becoming an example of statecraft, social contentment to uh, the rest, rest of the world. So I, I think uh, Europe ha- has played way below its game uh, in, uh, in, in recent times. Uh, and and I, th- I think one uh, contributory factor is that for quite a long time, at least since the end of the Cold War, politicians have lacked real-life experience due to the way they have been recruited. Disproportionate numbers now spring from the hothouse atmosphere of academia, journalism, public relations, full-time political activism. This is a stunted background. It deprives them of the hinterland needed to display authority and nerve in the sudden crises, which are erupting with increasing frequency. Um, And there is a tendency to for the latest crop of politicians to flee very often from uh, their democratic responsibilities at home because much decision-making now occurs at the level of global bodies in an interconnected world. And uh, I would argue it has resulted in the decline of political craftsmanship. Governing bodies at home have offloaded major responsibilities to world and regional ones, especially in the areas of finance uh, and health. Politicians often feel that they no longer need to enjoy respect or visibility at home, but instead be good networkers beyond the nation state, intersecting with global uh, technocrats and uh, corporate um, business people. So that would be my answer to why leadership. I think we have to explore um, the feelings that have arisen. Uh,
1: Of of course, you are saying that your uh, book uh, goes against the current, but actually, in the U.S. there is a, a growing a literature on um, uh, leadership and uh, um, the presidents, for example, which is uh, uh, not going uh, against the current uh, uh, and it's um, um, drawing the attention of uh, both um, uh, academics and uh, larger societies. So uh, um, I would say that uh, your um, uh, your study comes... Um, in this tradition of looking at the leaders and the elites and uh, their impact uh, uh, and input in uh, politics. So, how did you select the 20 portraits included in this this, uh, book?
0: Well, uh, I think the selection is uh, made, is designed to illuminate, by way of a personal profile, particular features that indicate the direction Europe has gone in since the start of the 1950s. In the first section, uh, the four immediate post-war figures. Crudely put, you could say that we had a builder, Tito of Yugoslavia, a defender, Kekinen of Finland, a fireman, uh, Italy's Andreotti, and a healer, uh, one of the founders of the European uh, project, uh, SPAC, of Belgium. Now, they had particular priorities, avoiding being Cold War casualties, uh, advancing European integration, building a communist state, strengthening a fragile uh, democracy. And they were, you could say, capable Machiavellians, adept at juggling interests, reassuring nervous publics, concealing intentions, neutralizing pressures uh, from below. Now, there are, and you've probably spotted this, countries and regions that are overlooked um, uh, and uh, which don't offer examples in leadership or the lack of it highlighting the main contours of the political journey of Europe. There's only one Scandinavian. There's nobody at all from uh, East Central Europe where uh, democracy implanted itself at a swifter pace and more successfully that arguably happened in big West European countries after 1945. There are three profiles from Southeast Europe, but nearly half of the profiles are from four important countries, France, West Germany, United Germany, uh, Italy uh, and uh, Spain. In my opinion, one of the main themes of the book is uh, that the French and German experiences highlight the failure to consolidate an effective and durable post war order. Um, hubris, messy thinking, opportunistic actions too often uh, occur, especially in the last uh, 30 or so years. Short term uh, approach to the creation of the European currency is a classic example. Arguably, this currency wasn't necessary, it wasn't crucial for the European journey to continue satisfactorily. uh, And it resulted in a near catastrophic financial crisis, 2008, one that still uh, rumbles uh, rumbles on. In the decades on both sides of this century, we're now in France and Germany, I would say, produced too many political leaders who were imprudent and self-centered. This obviously had negative repercussions at home. Uh, At uh, the European level, it fostered suspicion and infighting, increasingly replaced solidarity and common action. In Italy, you had the collapse of the party system uh, in in the 1990s, a very significant occurrence. Today in Spain, there are troubling developments which are, I think are not getting the attention that they deserve. What do I mean by that? Well, the sabotage of a very emblematic democratic transition in the 70s and 80s, sabotage from within. You have a remarkable example of, a, how shall I say, a Latin American style populist prime minister, now allying with left-wing extremists, fringe separatists, in order to build instability back into the system because Mr. Suarez, Mr. Sanchez, sorry, feels he can persist in power longer by fragmenting uh, everything. Turning to Britain, there are only two figures, uh, two rather incongruous figures in the book. Boris Johnson, who had a key role in taking Britain out of the EU, and Nicholas Sturgeon from my part of the world in Scotland, Uh, territorial separatist, and until recently, Scotland's first minister. Now, you would think they are like chalk and cheese, but they have much in common. Not least, they are globalists and eco-warriors, chiefly concerned with driving forward changes, enabling Britain to be the world leaders in post-industrial drive towards uh, net zero. Now, Britain was stable and cohesive, until the Thatcher uh, era Um, and I didn't feel any of the figures of note merited inclusion. I didn't include Margaret Thatcher because like de Gaulle, I believe she had a short-term outlook and objective. These were a pair of warriors keeping disintegration at bay, but they had no wider plans or ideas for revitalising Their politics. In many ways, Thatcher, along with her eventual successor Tony Blair, enhanced the the central role of capitalism in national life only for corporate power uh, to be used to promote progressive left wing causes associated with the woke upsurge. So, this is quite a turn uh, for the book showing that politics. But does not often go in very predictable uh, uh, directions. So that was my kind of approach to, uh, in terms of selecting the uh, 24 figures that make up the book.
1: Now, listening to you, uh, it just occurred to me that... Uh... Um, Maybe uh, as somebody coming from uh, Romania, I should ask uh, why you didn't uh, include um, Nicolae Ceaușescu or uh, Basescu or uh, Klaus Johannes uh, in the book? Or more widely, why not uh, Boris Yeltsin or uh, Gorbachev or um, um, Putin? I didn't include...
0: uh... Important figures like Thatcher, De Gaulle, or the Russians that you have mentioned, because I think they uh, they would swamp the book. I mean, I I, I think the uh, Russia is a different political uh, um, world. Unfortunately, I don't think that, with the exception perhaps of Ion Iliescu, who has yet to uh, receive strong but biographical uh, study, there was n- no. Uh, key remaining decision maker who really put his hand on the tiller of 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 history. Uh, so I
1: understand. <laughs> so uh, now for the benefit of the readers who did not have a chance to open the book, let's briefly explain its general structure. Uh, the first part talks about the Cold War paradox. What paradox do we identify here?
0: Well, perhaps the main paradox is that uh, conservatives uh, were in the ascendancy for a long time after uh, the Cold War, but it was a deceptive um, ascendancy, uh, mainly because of their uh, complacency. They, They showed no kind of inclination to promote a narrative based on preserving but conservative values of prudence, restraint uh, in the face of the clamour, inevitable clamour, especially in the 1960s, for experimentation uh, and the novelty. In Italy, the Christian Democrats increasingly emphasised that they were a broad platform of opinion rather than a confessional option. Andreotti, one of the figures in the brook, brought in divorce and uh, later uh, abortion for Christian Democrats in both Italy and Germany, promoting European political integration was far more important than safeguarding the essential features of a traditional Christian, shall we say, uh, uh, society. And interestingly, later on with the crisis in the Eurozone, there was not a single uh, major Christian Democrat politician, or socialist one, for that matter, who defied the clamor orchestrated in the media for, uh, you could say, the imposition of social deflation, hair-shirt economics, uh, a burden imposed mainly on lower-income groups in order to clean the banks of toxic uh, 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 assets. So uh, so really, uh, you know, the, the, the nature of the EU meant that so you know, some of its main Christian founders were, you know, what they believed in well, was just paid lip, lip service to. The initiative lay with socialists who have thrived in the expanding machinery of, of the EU, uh, a bureaucratic or technocratic left leaning intelligentsia, not labour organisations or overtly socialist bodies. Have become the left's primary source of empowerment in Europe. Uh, lobbyists, campaigners, administrators pro- proliferate in, uh, in in the EU, and they have, uh, you know, a, clearly a left leaning uh, direction. Their new Brussels Center project: secular, postmodern, postnational. You could say a meeting of the. Technocratic right and the cultural left, uh, and perhaps this, the, it was a signal victory of the nineteen sixty-eight left-wing agitators who who have come into these institutions that thirty-five years later, they ensured that there was no place at whatsoever for Christianity uh, in the uh, in the draft. EU Constitution. So the, the, the first part of the book is, is really, and each of the five sections does have a, quite a long analytical uh, over, overview focusing on the most important developments, you know, was on, you know, the, the gradual decline and marginalization of uh, previously strong right of center forces in Europe.
1: So this first part of the book uh, includes uh, portraits of uh, Josip Broz uh, Tito in Yugoslavia, Uro Kaleva Kekonan in uh, Finland, Paul Henry Spack in uh, Belgium, and Giulio Andreotti in Italy. The selection seems driven by a desire to cover diverse European countries on both sides of the Iron Curtain. Was this the criterion used to decide which Cold War winners were worthy of inclusion? Um, I mean,
0: I mainly focused on the non communist uh, uh, world. I thought Tito was worth including because he was a particularly capable uh, uh, figure who overcame huge difficulties in imposing his authority on what was a very unmanageable uh, uh, country. And if this had been happening outside the communist world, probably he would have he uh, would have been in there too. The figures chosen basically were 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 meant to reflect particular uh, you know challenges to do with the Cold War, to do with overcoming internal differences, uh, reconstruction, or getting particular uh, experiments off the ground like uh, like the European. Uh, what eventually became the European uh, uh, Union. And it's probably the most eclectic uh, of the five sections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: let's move on. The second part includes uh, four portraits of uh, French and German leaders. Here we have uh, Valéry Giscard d'Estaing and François Mitterrand in uh, France, as well as uh, Gerhard Schröder and Angela Merkel in uh, Germany. What makes them interesting for you?
0: Well, I think Giscard was conservative, even aristocratic in his bearing and his tastes. Yet he was content, as so many outwardly conservative contemporaries were, to embrace what was essentially a technocratic and socialist project because of the opportunities that European integration offered to wield power, and, uh, and, uh, and influence. Uh, both he and his successor, uh, Francois Mitterrand, uh, dismantled the Gaullist uh, regime, which had been based on conservative French nationalism. Uh, and they promoted different alternatives. Uh, in Giscard's case, European cosmopolitanism, in Mitterrand's left wing paternalism which were inadequate substitutes uh, for Gaullism, So there's a vacuum, dissatisfaction built up. uh, uh, And you could say that by the turn of the century, the system resembled previous French regimes based on narrow support and facing growing credibility uh, 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 problems. Um, A new cast of leaders Uh, emerged in France who saw themselves as part of a money-focused deal-making world elite. I think France was a kind of pioneer in this regard. It was natural because the Paris-based elite was using its leverage in Britain, sorry Brussels, to try and expand uh, its power uh, 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 and reach. So I suppose I'm quite sarcastic and biting about the conduct of uh, the French politicians at that time, I call them shapeshifters, increasingly uh, unfazed about displaying strong appetites for wealth influence after holding senior office. Uh, And uh, a backlash, of course, from the disgruntled populace uh, uh, followed. I think Mitterung is less important in world historical terms than Helmut Kohl but I think he deserved to be the one profiled because of the way that I believe, and I think I provide a lot of evidence in the book, he did permanent damage to French democracy by his style of rule. So turning uh, to Germany, uh, Schroeder and Merkel, what makes them uh, interesting, I would say purposeful. Inaction in the uh, at at home in the case of Merkel, Schröder, uh, a kind of freelance politician, divorced from his party, from society, a kind of piratical buccaneer uh, type, who as chancellor sided with domestic business despite being on the left, and who later oversaw Germany's most consequential foreign policy move in decades, of course, the Energy Pact uh, with uh, Russia, with a predatory post-Soviet leader. Uh, And both he and Merkel, who continued this arrangement, described it as non-political, even though it badly disrupted EU energy uh, uh, cooperation. So they, you know, they, they were willful, self-absorbed uh, leaders who highlight how risk-taking was returning to German politics after a long period of caution. Uh, Schröder, a brazen character, uh, endorsed the might is right stance uh, pursued by uh, uh, Putin. Um, Merkel's purposeful inaction, as I've called it, now is widely seen as having inflicted a lot of harm on Germany and Europe, no long term industrial plan so the German car industry is rapidly becoming obsolete, military disarmed, starved of funds very naive, ill thought out energy plans huge muddle over immigration which I, I, I think, caused electoral disaster for her party and created a lot of trouble in uh, different uh, 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 different countries. So you could say, summing up, France and Germany, a crisis of legitimacy grew up uh, in a political order where uh, rival parties had alternated in office, but increasingly they were choosing to act as a political class united in defense of caste privileges. Uh, no surprise that in both France and Germany, anti-establishment parties uh, are, uh, are now uh, thriving. Uh, Christian Democrats are in a very weak position. Germany, social Democrats, even more. Angolists and socialists have apparently disappeared uh, in, uh, in France. So these leaders um, increasingly saw themselves as detached from party and country. Um, Strader adopted the third way formula, which had been first rolled out uh, in Britain and provided Blair with some kind of intellectual uh, uh, underpinning. So in the book, I have no hesitation in arguing uh, France decisions in France and Germany were the most consequential ones in explaining how Europe slid into crisis.
1: And, and uh, uh, this analysis, this conclusion, would remain the same if you were to include Helmut Kohl among the portraits? What would you say?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Uh, I, I would say that Helmut Kohl was a... A very unexceptional politician who, um, months before the uh, dramatic and sudden end of the Cold War, was actually in danger of being toppled. Uh, You know, the the knives were out uh, uh, for him. And eventually, you know, when he fell as a result of a um, electoral uh, finance scandal, he's been written out of history. He's seen as an anomaly. He's not seen as one of the great chancellors. He did show energy and resolution in taking advantage of the remarkable developments in the Soviet Union and persuading Gorbachev to pull out forces in Germany and allow uh, reunification. I'm not sure if this was primarily down to call, Uh, it could well have been achieved by uh, other figures within a reasonable degree of political skill uh, and and, um, um, ambition. So I did think quite hard about Cole, but decided to leave him out.
1: So, uh, Tom, um, in part three, you turn your attention to what you call the pirates of the Mediterranean. Andreas Papandreou of Greece, Silvio Berlusconi of Italy, Milo Duganovic of Montenegro, and Pedro Sanchez of Spain. In which sense were they pirates?
0: They took measures that weakened democracy in order to extend their time at the, uh, at the top of politics. I think they were essentially selfish uh, political actors. They were prepared to weaken or even subvert constitutional norms in countries which had long known instability or, and outright dictatorship. Uh, in order to, you know, profit um, uh, politically. Um, I think in the late 20th century and beyond, it's possible to contend that in Southern Europe, there was a failure to make a fresh start, to break out of the old paradigm of fitful, stability, parliamentary, etc., and then turbulence and um, breakdown. uh, And as a result, unfortunately, much of Southern Europe slipped back into sterile partisanship, low-grade governmental decision-making. I think long-term handicaps have made it difficult for the Mediterranean South to evolve towards, let's say, a Scandinavian ideal of consensus oriented politics, focused less on personalities, factions, ideologies, more on implementing policies that prove of tangible national benefit. Uh, and as a result, periodical fear struggles break out over scarce resources, limited positions to fill in the apparatus of state. This is an old, old story. And uh, the arrival of the EU as a major kind of uh, pull. P- of promoting more responsible government, sensible, predictable, rational decision-making hasn't really had uh, immense importance. These countries were unprepared for the arrival of the euro after 1999. Uh, The way that they were ushered into the single currency was highly irregular. uh, And the membership uh, experience, while it accentuated the tendency of national economies to be geared towards consumption rather than uh, production. So you could say that people like Berlusconi, Papandreou, um, Sanchez uh, had a raucous, un- untidy style of politics. They Perhaps bearing more relation to populist, but non-fascist regimes in Latin America, Middle East, pre-1945 Europe, than to contemporary uh, uh, social Democrats. I thought Milot uh, Djukanovic was interesting because he was on top for 33 years, which is an immense span of rule. You know, he became prime minister in his late 20s and was only defeated as he was almost 60. And he guided his country through uh, important crises, uh, obtained independence. Separations from Serbia, NATO membership. These were no mean achievements, and the uh, country did develop. Um but you know the temptation of exploiting ethnic differences was firmly resisted uh by by him. Um but nevertheless he was a piratical character in many, uh, many respects. georgia Maloney's uh Uh, breakthrough electoral victory came too late for uh, uh, the book, traditional figure. uh, In some quarters she's someone who evokes the ideal of the prince, sketched by Machiavelli, able to unite Italy and repel and welcome uh, uh, foreign interference.
1: So and actually, in part four, you identify some entrepreneurs of ethnicity, as you call them. Could you briefly explain this characterization?
0: Well, I would argue maybe many would agree with disagree with me that the strongest passions that are now being exercised in the political arena in Europe today uh, are coming from middle, white middle class uh, radicals and they are bound up with the desire to uh, assert identities linked to perceived historical wrongs, current dangers uh, to uh, the planet, the need to, to break away from what's seen as obsolete uh, nation states. Often what's most clear-cut is the wish to repudiate existing identities, let's say based on the nuclear family, the nation, class, in favour of those, of ones advanced by those who can claim to speak for submerged, oppressed minorities. And new conditions throw up leaders keen to promote themselves as figures in the vanguard of cultural change for a different era, um, and you can see performative displays of radical awareness, quite skillfully performed, say by Sturgeon, but really I argue superficial, uh, uh, contrived, promoted by social uh, uh, media. But th- you know, but this kind of giddy display of uh, progressiveness is able to win a lot of converts and. Uh, 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 Recruits, because uh, I, I think you know the new media has dumbed down a lot of people, and they think in terms of slogans, head headlines rather than pondering deeper about you know what what the from you know the offer is all about. Uh, uh, ironically, the uh, the best placed opponent of such a, a kind of radical niche view in Europe maybe the head of state who resides in the Vatican, the current Pope uh, Francis, who is, a, who is a first world radical figure who just happens to come from Argentina. Um, identitarians like Nicholas Sturgeon wish to succeed from old nation states, but only to dissolve their fate in European or global arrangements, which would allow countries like Scotland to enjoy less autonomy than currently uh, enjoy under s- systems of advanced uh, devolution, so you could say that the, um, people like the Catalan, the Basque nationalists, uh, the Scots, etc., they are really anti-nation state campaigners masquerading as anti-centralist uh, 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 ones, part of a new social movement with uh, radical agendas involving sharp adjustments to human identification, lifestyle consumption patterns. Uh, And perhaps the one who has been most successful and he's still active at the age of 93 is Jordi Pujol of of, uh, 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 Catalonia. In terms of advancing identity politics at nearly all levels of Catalan society, he was very innovative And in the book, I say that he could be seen as an early scaled-down version of George Soros, global political activist, who has used much of his own wealth to promote social movements, some of which, as we know, have a revolutionary vision for uh, uh, humanity. Sturgeon was less successful, forced from office uh, in March of this year due to mounting policy failures. But she enjoys stature, as an authentic campaigning voice on behalf of middle-class radicals who wish to disrupt uh, and in some cases sweep away large parts of uh, existing society. So even though these two figures are, you might say peripheral from uh, sub-state corners of Europe, I think they they stand for uh, an important uh, new departure in politics.
1: Mm-hmm. And the last part of the book includes portraits of six self-absorbed leaders, as you call them. Mark Rutte, Viktor Orban, Emmanuel Macron, Boris Johnson in your country, Zelensky in Ukraine, and uh, Olaf Stoltz in um, uh, Germany. They're grouping together might seem surprising to some le- uh, some readers. Are these six more self uh, self absorbed than all the others you described else- elsewhere in the book?
0: Well, um, I, I I actually treated Zelensky and Schultz separately. I think Schultz is definitely self absorbed, but I counterposed them in a, a chapter that was del- devised quite late on, uh, taking account of the uh, the. Uh, the war in Ukraine, but on reflection, you may be right. And Zelensky, you know, has shown that you know he he is uh, self-absorbed, as well as being uh, a genuine sort of war leader at a, a crucial point for uh, for 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 his nation. Now, uh, it it was difficult, I suppose, to group these figures uh, uh, to together but i think they represented the retreat of parties of organizations of electorates from the stage of politics and increasingly solitary figures uh you know with a strongly personal drive occupied that stage people who went before the nation as tribunes whose personal qualities meant that they could make a uh, positive yeah. difference to people's lives. So they, you could say that they had a, they cultivated a kind of savior role or that of the benefactor in the case of Victor Urban, Schultz, Mark Rutte of the Netherlands. Dare I say that they are also or good liars and dissimulators. Um, deception or deceit increasingly be, has become. The modus operandi of politics. It's in your face. Uh, It's very glaring. Uh, The explosion in new media has made it very hard uh, to uh, uh, conceal. Um, So, you know, leaders have plans, often, if implemented, will result in disadvantages uh, for citizens hitting their pockets. Um, uh, But you know, leaders insist that, as with, say, the push for net zero, they are for everyone's benefit, uh, and in the end, uh, people will somehow be better off, but the costs are are, are not spelt out. In not a few cases, I think it's hard to avoid the conclusion, um, and this is, a, for some listeners, no doubt, a troubling remark to come from my lips. Hard to avoid the conclusion that ambitious politicians keen to benefit from their careers and get away with giving little back, simply do not like human beings very much. Uh, They have few attachments, let's say, to the Abrahamic religions that urge altruism or modesty in behavior. Uh, Their connections with groups seeking improvement in society are tenuous uh, at best. And for such, uh, such, I don't know, Napoleonic, single minded um, executive types, it's not hard to endorse global uh, moves to endorse, to create a universal health regime supervised by the UN or a globally agreed taxation system, which means elections cease to determine the fiscal policies of uh, uh, nation states. So you now have a lot of hubristic politicians obsessed with their own personal star uh, and who sometimes betray the perception that they see humanity as an obstacle, a burden to progress. Um, And I think this outlook is increasingly noticeable in what used to be several of the Uh, stronger uh, democracies, particularly in the uh, English-speaking world. Turning to individuals, um, I do compare Macron and Johnson. Don't devote one chapter uh, 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 to them. Um, Different personalities, both, however, extremely competitive, prepared to be reckless and unorthodox. Uh, at uh, uh, times. One disenchanted supporter of Johnson, the journalist uh, Madeline Grant, dismissed him last year as a freedom-loving conservative who governed as an illiberal technocrat and who moved his party closer to socialism than any prime minister since the 1960s the estonian uh, prime minister uh, kaja kallas uh, is mentioned in uh, this part of the book uh, and counterposed with such figures i mean she sees herself as someone who is part of the community of national voters who uh, el- elected her rather than someone who's apart from them and entitled to interfere profoundly in their lives Her part of the world, your part of the world, Lavinia, saw too many experiments in which citizens were treated as disposable fools uh, or inconvenient obstacles to a questionable uh, progress. Victor Urban is perhaps the only effective challenger or outlier for this new kind of elitist, corporatist, progressive power paradigm. His opposition to progressive elites altering national identity over the heads of citizens strikes a chord and has turned him into a pillar of conservatism who arguably is far more affected than de Gaulle was uh, in his heyday. Um, He has delivered benefits to the population while increasingly this is no longer seen elsewhere as a requirement to be uh, in, uh, in office. Um, parties, uh, politicians, I think, are increasingly relaxed about pursuing a moral agenda based on cultural uh, and environmental questions upon which they don't expect uh, to be questioned. And this is, I think, stoking huge trouble in different countries, including Brit- Britain right now. Um, So they are, uh, you could say, emblematic figures in an era where an absence of vision, discipline, purpose have intensified the maladies of democratic politics in Europe.
1: Tom, thank you very much for, uh, for um, explaining to us uh, uh, so eloquently um, um, which uh, which uh, leaders have been included and why. Of all those covered in this book, which one do you like the most and which one makes you the most uncomfortable and why exactly?
0: Well, this is a dangerous question. I think it's to be effective. It's best for politicians not to be too Uh, uh, um, likable. I think if they are likable, more often than not, there must be something sinister about them because they would have had to be ruthless in their march uh, uh, to the top. Now, if I said Berlusconi and Johnson, who were kind of quite jocular figures, I'd face accusations of overlooking or excusing their questionable private behaviour at times. Now, I have respect for Tito's energy, boldness, experience of life, which eclipses that of modern politicians, but acknowledging his bloodletting, which is actually far worse than most other communists who rose to uh, prominence in the Eastern Bloc outside the Soviet Union would make me recoil uh, uh, from him. And his design faults he introduced in Yugoslavia led to the collapse. Of the of uh, of uh, 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 of the country, I, I I really try to be detached. There's none I took uh, uh, perhaps Schroeder, who you know I, I think is a, a a smug arrogant person without I think any trace of compassion uh, um, given what his friend and the Kremlin has done. Uh, not in Ukraine, but also in Russia, the mound of bodies, broken hopes, etc. So probably, if you force me, I would say Gerhard Schroeder is the one I despise the most.
1: We are talking today with Professor Tom Gallagher about his latest book, Europe's Leadership Famine, Portraits of Defiance and Decay, 1950-2022, which was published earlier this year.